Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR25. It'll save you 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us, as has become our weekly custom, is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's Drew Goodman supporting the Buffs today with the hat, too. Love that. That's Love up it. your way. Yeah, yeah, go Buffs. Go Buffs. That's up your way, right? It, it is, and uh, we, we enjoy the bu- Buffs having a nice little resurgence of, of sports relevancy as of late. <laughs> you, you love to see that. But speaking of as of late, we want to talk a little baseball with you, of course. But uh, I was just thinking about this with the abs kicking off. You know, I'm a huge hockey guy now, huge hockey guy now. Uh, and the Nuggets getting ready to do their thing. You know, we know you're a multi-sport guy. So we were just talking about supporting the Buffs. We know you're interested in what those other Colorado teams are doing, but you've also got a job to do covering the Colorado Rockies. And I don't know if you've noticed, they play like almost every single day. Um, yeah. So how do you, uh, you know, what is your system for keeping up with these? When are you getting the games in? When are you checking out and making sure that you're not missing any abs or nuggets magic? Well, last night worked well because the Rockies played an afternoon game. So I was all in. I watched every second of the uh, of the Avs six uh, three win last night over the Blues. Um, and uh, in Game One, we had it on one of our uh, monitors um, off to the side because we were calling a game, you know, in, in the studio. And so, you know, we had it on during commercial breaks. You can kind of focus in a little bit for a minute and a half or so. Um, so, you know, you're aware of, uh, of what's going on that way. And same thing, you know, same thing from a Nuggets standpoint um, when you have the overlap with the Rockies. It's funny that four overtime game back in 2019, Blazers and, and Nuggets, that was going on around the same time as uh, I think it was a, a day game. Uh, no, it was a night game. It was a night game at Coors Field. And, yeah, everyone was huddled around the television going, they're still playing this this basketball game and everyone's finishing up their recaps and writing their stories. And yet, you know, eyes are there because it's, it's playoff time. It, it, it overlaps with the Rocky season. Yeah. You know, what's pretty cool about that is the reaction from a crowd. You guys have been there when um, one of the other teams is playing in, in an important game. I mean, you know, playoff game, that type of thing. And especially with the avalanche, because goals as we know are, are hard to come by and, and 
you know, the ads will score and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, you'll hear a huge cheer go up and, and some of the players are on the field are probably going, what the heck's going on? You know, I'm standing here having, you know, nothing's happened on the baseball diamond. Uh, but that's that's cool when that happens. And it's great. It's great. You know, we all know that that fans, they're going to gravitate to, you know, hopefully all the home teams, but you're going to have your favorite sports, right? Uh, but what's neat is when the other athletes in town, you know, are really supportive of their brethren. And um, we've seen that over the years. And back before COVID, you know, a bunch of avalanche players usually typically would come down at some point and take, you know, maybe take some swings in, uh, in BP after the guys had hit. And, uh, you know, the baseball players get into it just like the hockey players and the basketball players. You know, you see, I remember Charlie hit that famous uh, shot now at half court over his head like Rocky. And, um, you know, it's it's great to see. Obviously, the Broncos are out and about. It's always good to see the other uh, athletes in town supporting the other teams. Yeah, I remember back in uh, 07 when the Nuggets came and uh, <clears throat> I was really excited. I was like, oh, man, there's, you know, Carmelo Anthony, Allen Iverson coming to hang out at Coors Field. And stuff. I was like, yeah, that's that's uh, the, that, that was that was really something. And it's like, obviously, the Rockies were going on a great run where but the Nuggets were also great at the time. And they were they were doing their things and they were perennially in the playoffs. And it was like, man, I think, uh, you know what, as as a you know, as an entertainer, athletes are entertainers and. Yeah, and and your competitors, and you you gravitate to where the scene is. And hey, there's gonna be fifty thousand people at Coors Field tonight. The Rockies are on a roll. It's a big game against the Giants. I'm in, man. Let's go. We got to get tickets. You know, and they call their agents, and typically, and the next thing you know, we're we're all looking. Go wait, that's Carmelo and and AI at the game. Man, I didn't know there were Rockies fans. They're in. Right. And that's pretty cool. I think we saw Peyton Manning at the the Yeah, game. he was at the game last night. Last night, he's one, there. One of, one of his kids. In years past, you know, the Rockies have done a, a really cool fundraiser uh, with the Broncos where some of the players will come out. They do a little home run derby and have a fun competition. And it's it's fun seeing the, the gi- these gigantic football players out on the baseball field holding these little wooden twigs and, and having essentially no idea what to do there uh, in the batting yeah. cage. That's always a fun moment too. Yeah. It's, it's also neat every once in a while when you have a guy that was, you could tell had a, a baseball background. I'll give you an example. Um, who, why am I doing a blind? Who is a wide receiver? He ended up going to the jets. He had a good career. Um, I think he's probably retired now. His, Oh man. Who, he, he, the kid out of the university of Minnesota. Uh, Decker. Decker, yeah. Eric Decker, Decker very nice. Decker was a Decker. baseball player at Minnesota also. So when he came out, I mean, he, he hits the balls, you know, out of the ballpark in batting practice. He had a great swing. I mean, he yeah. was a he was a prospect, you know, playing at the University of Minnesota. He, he obviously went the football route. But, you know, you'll see some guys and you go, yeah, that guy has a baseball background. That guy's played before. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's always neat. Wasn't there? One of those country singers come in and rope a couple of solid singles into left field. I'm trying to remember. Chris Stapleton, I feel like a couple years ago or something. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Chris Stapleton, but uh, oh man, he has his own channel in Sirius 55. And uh, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Garth. Yeah. Garth played for a number of years. Big baseball fan, and he would suit up with with various teams and and partake in in a in a day or two of spring training. Uh, every year so garth yeah garth could could swing it a little bit absolutely that's cool but you know and tim mcgraw i think is a good athlete obviously his his late father i know he was kind of a strange 
um, from him. I think most of his most of his at least growing up, um, if I have the story accurate. But I think Tim McGraw, you know, definitely had athletic uh, ability in, in baseball. Yeah. Since we're on the subject, I guess, and, and the All-Star game is coming uh, to Denver this year, they're going to have also the celebrity softball game. We'll see who can swing it. Do you, any, anyone on your wish list, anyone you'd like to see out there? <laughs> just like, uh, if, you, uh, <laughs> if you walk away when they come to the plate, yeah, yeah we, we won't hold that against you. You just you see them before the game, and then you, then you can leave early and you just know. get your um, photograph and move on. You know how much thought I've given that, Drew? <laughs> I could guess. I could guess. I could uh, give a flying, you know what, about a celebrity softball game. Uh, of all the, I hate to throw rain on your parade, but I could care know. less watching, you know, semi-famous people, you know, roll around out there. I mean, I'm sure it'll be entertaining, but it's not something I've given great thought to. They do bring back some some athletes from that city too. So I mean, you know, maybe Carmelo Anthony decides he wants to come out. Uh, it's more likely you get like a Chris Anderson, maybe, uh, yeah. Birdman. <laughs> well, by then, I think – well, actually, I was going to say, hopefully the Nuggets are still playing because everything's got, got pushed back. But, uh, yeah, I, I will say this, Drew, that it is kind of neat to see, picking up on our earlier conversation, it is kind of neat to see uh, athletes from other sports and you go, oh, okay, man, that guy looked like he's played some ball before. Um, so, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's one or two of the nuggets. Uh, you know, I was going to say Jamal Murray from, uh, from Toronto, but I don't think Jamal Murray is going to be doing any running around for, yeah, for a little bit, but if the Joker was out there, yeah, I'm sure he doesn't have a baseball background, but that, that could be, uh, you know, fun. Um, you know, the hockey guys, some of those hockey guys got really, you know, they're used to, they're used to swinging, a stick so it's not that far in for them that's why if you ever play golf with some of those hockey guys they hit the ball a mile yeah yeah now that tracks the other thing that i do love about those events though are like the nba one because you watch and they, they would get like so i remember watching like terrell owens and the nba all-star game it was like he's pretty good but it also just reminds you how great the actual best of the best you know sometimes it's easy to get cynical as sports fans and say maybe your team goes to california and only scores one run in a series and you get frustrated and you go these guys stink and then you see other guys who are top of their game like potential hall of famers in other sports go out there and you're like oh man you make the worst player in the nba look like yeah i mean baller yeah i mean you you see guys who are just really good athletes and i always I always define athlete a little differently than what we what has become commonplace. You know, when we say he's really athletic, we mean he, he runs fast, jumps high, and, and, and really quick twitch type of, you know, muscle athlete, right? Um, but I look at guys that can pick up anything and be pretty good at it pretty quickly. You know, you give them a golf club and they figure that out. You know, they can shoot a basketball properly. Um, you know, they catch a football properly, they, you know, and, and they can swing the bat and they look good when they throw the baseball, all those things. So that's what I look at. You know, John Elway obviously was a great athlete. He's a great football player, but we know he has a baseball background. I guarantee you, you know, he could hoop. Um, I remember, um, oh, back in the day, I used to, I used to 
play basketball every day and, and where I did, um, a lot of the Broncos in the offseason would, would come. And there were some guys who could really play. I mean, this goes back. You know, Mike Harden. You remember Mike Harden, who was a safety? Mike was a really good player. Um, Tony Lilly, who was a safety. Speaking of athletic, he could jump out of the gym. Um, was a pretty good player. Orson Mobley, I'm taking people back as a tight end. Orson Mobley could play. And then there were some other guys, and I'll, I'll name names now. That, was with you. that I was reaching back on the first. Yeah, team, they could, like, that, that were really, we'd go, man, that, that guy's a really good athlete because he's super fast, but couldn't play basketball, you know, to save their life. Like Ricky Natil, terrible basketball player. Um, there there yeah. were, you know, cornerbacks that were like, yeah, you don't want to get in a running race with them, but they weren't necessarily good basketball players. So, you know, it, it just depends. And that's why I think it's intriguing when you see guys do something else and go, okay, man, this, this guy, you know, we've all seen the first, the, the right, the, the first pitch thrown out by musicians that don't look so good, but every once in a while, it's somebody from another sport. And you're like, have they ever picked up a baseball, like at any point in their life? Right. So. Batting cleanup for your celebrity all-star team, Tim. Tebow. Oh, I mean, he, he's done with the baseball, so I mean, he might have a little Is time it? before he reports to Jacksonville Jaguars camp. Yeah, and so Tim Tim would throw the ball properly. We know we know that, right? And he'd hit the ball. Nice. He'd probably hit, you know he hit the ball really far. Uh, uh, he probably would. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good little subject, fellas. Sometime like we put together based on our observations, um, the all-time like crossover athlete team. Okay, who would be who would be our our top nine playing baseball from? Um, guys in the last 20 years that played hockey, basketball, or, or football in our town. Um, it'd be oh, kind yeah. of, it'd be intriguing. I guarantee you some of those quarterbacks that have come through town. I mean, look, Russell Wilson, you know, future Hall of Fame football player, was in the Rockies organization. So you know he can, you know he can ball. Um, right. It'd be, uh, it'd be fun to do. Yeah, like, an old, an old partner of mine who's doing, who's doing great. In, in the college football world was Fox, Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt was, before he was the University of Colorado record-setting quarterback, Joel was a, was in the Padres organization for a couple of years. He was drafted out of high school. Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of guys who've, who've crossed over. We'll have to we'll have to throw in a couple of Rapid, Colorado Rapids players. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm sure one of them could patrol center field at Coors Field fairly well. Those guys like to run. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to get uh, Andrew Mason involved in that because he's he's really big into this conversation, and we, we were talking about actually doing that at one point because it was right after um, I'd watched The Last Dance, which I watched way later than everybody else did. And I was probably one of like 5% of people whose biggest takeaway from that was, wow, Michael Jordan was a much better baseball player than we ever gave him credit for. Like yeah. he, um, the, the thing that really threw me – for a loop now that, uh, you know, I obviously know a little bit more about the entire system was when they said that they moved, they threw him straight to double A. He hadn't played baseball since he was 19 years old. He went and did this at 27 or something like that. 26, 27. I think he was 31. Oh, 31. Okay. So he's, yeah. he's, he's much he's older. older. He where did he, where did he play at 19? Cause in 19, he's a freshman in college. You, yeah. But so he said that was the last time he had swung a baseball bat. So maybe it was, even yeah, I would, I would have taken kind of even earlier than in that. high school, right? Yeah, not so 18, 17, 18. Intramural game at uh, Chapel Hill. I mean, right. yeah, <laughs> low stakes. What he did, what he did, started in the double A, straight yeah. to double A. Remarkable. And and Terry Francona, who he became obviously very good friends with, Terry Terry believes, and I've heard this from some other people that watched him, said, yeah, 
you know, it wasn't going to happen overnight, but they believe that he could have gotten to the big leagues um, because he ran so well and could be a plus defender. And he had a, he had enough of a skill set that you could get him up there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody was saying, hey, this is going to be a 300 hitter or whatever. But listen, he, I've, I, when I was growing up, guys, I, I don't know if you guys were this way. I used to say when, because it was at the height of kind of the two-sport athlete, not that there was this super hype, but, you know, Dion and Bo Jackson, right? right. DJ Dozer. What's that? DJ Dozer. You remember him? Yeah. DJ Brian Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, Brian Jordan. Um, and you were like, how is this possible to have a guy that's, that's the best, you know, among the best in the world at two different sports? But as, as you got older and, and you're around, you know, athletes and, you, and you're thinking to yourself, the best athletes at whatever level you played were typically, typically, not always, but typically really good at everything they did. So it's not that far a leap to think, yeah, Deion Sanders is a great football player. And, yeah, he's a great baseball player, too, and he was able to combine it. You know, Bo Jackson. So um, that that's yeah. not as, as, as big a leap as I used to think yeah, it was. Now, it's hard, it's hard to, you know, make a living – certainly at both, but to think that Jordan, if he practiced all the time for a significant period of time, couldn't have been a, a, a really solid baseball player and maybe, maybe have gotten the big leagues. If you think about it, why not? That guy, that guy's one of the best athletes in the world. Yeah. Got a better I thought there chance, was a decent – Got a better chance than, you know, the three of us, right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Yeah, I, I thought Tebow was going to do it. I, I figured Tebow would, would have gotten called up for at least for a cup of coffee – uh, again, you know, three true outcomes. Sure, he hits the ball far enough. And with with everything that was going on with the Mets uh, at that time a couple years ago, you go, yeah, they could use a little, you know, positive PR. So I figured he would, you know, at least get that opportunity, you know, late in the season. Uh, the Mets had nothing to lose, but as I'm it with, were, I'm with doing? you, Patrick. I, I thought if for for no other reason, and I know he wouldn't want to be a publicity stunt, but they were bad, and it at the ownership was you know the, not great I, I thought that there was a distinct possibility that he would come up in september and it, it would have been interesting the reaction because it's so hard to get there and you have guys who toil in the minor leagues forever as you guys well know and and then they go oh yeah i got passed up by that guy because he happened to be a famous you know football player i mean that that is life but i'm with you i mean it didn't happen obviously but i i did think it was going to occur yeah some of those guys, Tim Tebow, Bo Jackson, beefy boys, beefy boys, probably getting plenty of Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef, those those boys, getting their beef in. I know I am. I don't know if you, you follow me on Twitter out there, folks, but you saw I posted. I've got uh, some pictures of the filet steaks that we made last night. Absolutely delicious. Uh, big box of Wagyu beef for you because you get free shipping when you order over 200 bucks, which we do every single time. We just stock up, move aside a little bit of freezer space, getting plenty of ground chuck, ground beef, bacon, steaks, award-winning hamburgers, all that stuff, and using promo code DNVR10 to get 10% off. And remember, the free shipping if you order over 200 bucks. That Wagyu beef, absolutely delicious. No hormones, antibiotics, any of that stuff in the cattle they treat them well they treat you well they treat your wallet well always throwing you uh specials and deals oh that's right there's a different special right now that i gotta plug what is it 
Uh, it's because it's a different thing. Uh, buy three, get one free on the flank steaks. Oh, and yeah, and I'm going to post a picture of one here in a little while. I'll show you exactly what it looks like. So follow me on Twitter. You'll see that. Of course, this is just one of the many fantastic deals that you get for being a member of the DNVR family. Make sure you're subscribed today at the DNVR.com. You do that, you get access to the written content, discounts on hats, shirts, and masks, a bigger beer down at the DNVR bar. You get access to our Discord channel, so you can chat with us 24-7 about anything and everything under the sun. And if you order the annual right now, we'll give you a free shirt from the DNVR locker and a free holistic stick from our friends at Holistic Wellness. Check them out at H-O-L-I-S-T-I-K wellness.com. And once you've gotten that free 10 milligram CBD stick, use the promo code DNVR30 for 30% off any further purchases from our friends at holisticwellness.com. All right. Patrick, did you have a... Oh, yeah. Sorry. We, we were we were talking about Jordan there, and, and this kind of segues nice to, to something that you touched a little bit on, uh, on on the latest edition of the Drew Goodman podcast. Love the conversation with Mark Sweeney. He uh, talks a little bit about Willie Mays, Larry Walker. Again, just great stories uh, coming out of him uh, on, on the second part uh, of the Drew Goodman podcast episode. But... You know, as we were talking about Jordan, there there was an article that came out recently about, you know, in one of the games that he had played when he was with Birmingham, I think he uh, hit, hit a double. He was on second base. Barons were up 10 nothing, and he stole third base. Uh, I think he swung away on a 3-0 pitch. That's how he got to second. Uh, he hit a double on a 3-0 count and, and stole third base. And, of course, Francona had to, you know, pull him aside and wave to the other manager like, yeah, he doesn't really know these unwritten rules, uh, you know, yet. Uh, and Jordan said, well, in the NBA, if you're up by 20, you want to be up by 30. Like, that's just just how they do that in the NBA, but not so much in baseball. And this week, we've we've kind of seen the the wrath of what happens when you, you break the unwritten rules and players are in favor of breaking those rules and, and making a, potentially a better product. I, I'm just curious of, of your thoughts, again, Tony La Russa has made some comments on Yermin Mercedes. Uh, what, what's, what's your thought on unwritten rules? Do we need to get rid of them? Do they have a place? Do they need to be more written? Do, do we, the players need to know a little bit more uh, uh, about we're talking what's about necessary? It. Yeah, we're talking about an etiquette thing. And, and I, and I you know you alluded to my podcast, so I did talk about it um, after part two of my conversation with Mark Sweeney. And, uh, I have great respect for for Tony Larusa, and I, I I disagree with how he handled this situation entirely. First of all, you never, um, speaking of unwritten rules, you don't throw your own player publicly under the bus. You don't do that. You, you want to lose a locker room quickly, and there were a number of players, including pitchers like Lance Lynn, who's been around a long time, who came out and supported. I don't want to call the, him him a kid because he's a rookie, but he's you know, you, you mean Mercedes is twenty eight years of age. Um, here's my deal. Hitting is friggin' hard, right? And, you know, I take Coors Field, for instance. We've seen some wacky things. So should the Rockies have been, you know, to, you know, got going half-ass when they were up 10 nothing against Cincinnati last week, and all of a sudden it was 10-8, to right? And you're like, uh-oh, they're going to blow this thing because that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, hitting's hard. So there's a position player in the game, and the score is lopsided. I, you know, I would I would privately counsel him to say, hey, listen, next time don't swing 3-0. But, you 
But the fact that he swung and got a hit, nobody would have said anything if he took a mighty hack and popped out or grounded out to shortstop and he loses two or three or four points on his batting average, right? Um, so if you don't want him to get a hit, if we're still playing the game because the rules state we have to play nine innings, then throw another pitcher. But don't take the bat out of, out of his hand. Is his stats going to count even though he's not going to throw a lot when he you know, works an inning and he you know, had a one, two, three inning? I'm, I'm sorry. There are certain unwritten rules from a sportsmanship standpoint where I go, okay, that applies. Um, yeah, you don't. You, if you're up 16 to four, you, you shouldn't steal, you know, second base, especially because they're you're not going to be held on. You shouldn't do that. Um, but other ones, and especially how I had more issue, honestly, with how it was handled by Tony Larusa and saying, "Yeah, he's going to be." I, I forget his exact language. He made it sound like he was going to be privately reprimanded, fined, or, or so there are going to be consequences. I think was the. Um, Really, really? I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you're you're throwing your own player under the bus, and I I, and, I didn't like that. I mean, that that's an unwritten rule in and of itself, right? Like you you got to support your guys for for better or worse. And how many times? How many times, Patrick? I don't mean to interrupt, but how many yeah. times we saw it again this week, where you know Creaseman, you know, throws it behind my back because there was something that happened last night, and you're the manager, and they interview obviously after you go. Uh, no, you know, I talked. I talked to Drew. The ball, it just got away. It slipped, man. It got away. He, hey, we have to pitch on the inside part of the play. He was just trying to pitch effectively in, and it, and it got. I mean, they're all full of crap, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to be hundred percent. I mean, you have to be that. That's that's the thing, right? You, to a certain extent, and and we know it. And and even Buddy, who's as straight shooter as they come, will you know? And and we'll know. We almost always know with him when he's going, you know look, I'm not going to throw my guy under the bus. That's basically what he's doing, and we know He'll that. never do it. And he shouldn't. And he no. shouldn't. And, he's and, and I think it's – and you guys know – Yeah, and Drew, you guys know this because it's – every once in a while, whether it's people reacting to your guys' podcast or stuff, you know, that, that you've written, it, it's missing turbo. His buddy's too nice a guy. Buddy's too soft on them. Bullshit. You don't know. You're not in. You're not in his office. You're not in the clubhouse when he picks times to talk to people individually or as a team. And I guarantee you, it's not the same as what you hear after a ball game. And you're fired up because the Rockies blew a six to one lead in the eighth inning. And I get that. And you don't think he is? He's really fired up. But he's not going to come out at 11 o'clock that night and go, yep, that was a horse bleep effort, and our pitchers have to throw. I mean, he may say they have to throw more strikes, but he's not going to start individually reprimanding guys to make you feel, when I say you, you know what I mean, to make the audience feel better. But that doesn't mean he's presenting a completely different message behind closed doors. Players, again, as you guys know, respect that. You want to lose them you know, take shots at me in public, um, you know, for, for the, I used to say for the evening news, but for, for podcasts like, like all of ours and, and for, you know, the, the print journalists that are whipping something out, you know, after the ball game. And that's for, again, like really poor, oftentimes unacceptable performance. What we're talking about in Chicago is a, young man a, a rookie ball player still trying to make his way in this league trying to keep his swing where it is trying to just 
produce, earn a contract. Maybe Michaela was talking about that. You know, these these guys know their numbers are there and all those. Make more money in arbitration. Yes, right. You know what? That's Patrick. That's a wonderful point. You know, every one of these at bats counts, and at the end of the year, they're not going to go well. Mercedes hit twenty eight home runs, but three of them were against position players. They're not going to do that. She's going to go, hey, man, he hit 28 and he drove in 97 and he hit, you know, he's hitting 360 something right now. And he hit, you know, 311, pretty good stats. The agent's going to, you know, so so every bit counts. I, I just think if Tony um, handled it like when he was asked about it, say, hey, listen, you know what? This kid, this kid's worked his butt off. He's 28 to get here. Um, yeah, maybe in a perfect world. Maybe we'll talk about, you know, maybe not swinging three up. In that situation, but hitting's really hard, and that kid has a right to, you know, put up numbers and, and, um, you know. So listen, I, I applaud him. He's been a great kid. I love his work ethic. I love it. You know, you kind of deflect it that way. Yeah. And then privately, go, hey, dude. You know what? Don't. In that situation, again, take a pitch three and zero. But if you hit the three one pitch, you know, four miles, good for you. What about on the the other side of it? And I remember back when we played uh, Charles Cobb, Chuck Nasty, you were Chuck Nasty on, on a lot of these other things. But the the total, like the outside of the the game, even the unwritten rules of having a lot of fun because you did well. There was the back and forth earlier in the year where Fernando Tatis takes Trevor Bauer deep and covers up the eye because Bauer had been doing that. Tatis Jr. in general knows how to celebrate hitting on one. And, and I, you know, heard and you he guys gets to celebrate more than the average guy, Drew. He does. Uh, and, and I heard you guys talking about it, you know, um, uh, throughout this season as as uh, the Rockies keep having to play the Padres. They, they oh, man, you look up, there they are again. Uh, but that, you know, he's even, he was smiling after Chichi Gonzalez hit a big double off the wall he just seems to really enjoy baseball and it's strange to me that some people think it's a problem isn't that wonderful he plays with a smile on his face he plays with a joy we need to walk around every day in our in our in our lives and realize you know when things are going well how fortunate we are and and kind of live life with that because there's enough things that can get you down and make you frown. And he's running around out there. Forget the money he makes. Everybody always aligns it with money. He loves to play the game of baseball. Guys, when they're out there, not, they're not thinking about, yeah, you know what? Today I, I just made, you know, $45 million or $45,000 because that's one, you know, 62nd, 162nd or whatever. They're like, man, I – that ball in the hole, man, I really enjoyed getting there and making that great play or whatever. It helped the team win. That, that's what that's what the day-to-day concern is. Yeah, they're big-picture elements. Is, is Trevor Story somewhere in his mind realize, you know, he could get traded? Um, you know, what's free agency going to look like? Of course, they're, all, they're only human. But I love how he plays. I love how he, even through Frankie Lindor's struggles this year, which have to be agonizing, you know, he plays with, with a joy. That's why I think so many people gravitated to Cargo, not only because he put up typically really good numbers, but he there there was a joy to how um, he played the game. He um, I, I forget who said it. Maybe you guys will remember. Um, it's called you know playing the game. Let's play ball, right? You know, before the first pitch, play ball, right? It's not work ball. It's play ball. Yeah. So the more guys that uh, and gals that that can have that, 
Um, as agonizing again as the game can be, and as difficult as it can be, and the pressure is certainly at that level that it that exists. Um, I, I I love everything about Fernando Tatis Jr. He's he's wonderful to watch from from a baseball perspective on, on both sides, but just to see him bouncing around out there, and, and Mark Sweeney, you know, talked a lot about that. You know, he's he, right now he's got it all. He's a handsome kid, and he's. He's uh he's on, he's on a good team and he's and he's playing you know a premier spot. Yeah. He's getting a lot of hits. <laughs> Boy, didn't miss a beat, did he? Coming right back no, into it, stepped right back out there, and whew, he's a good baseball player. He is a good baseball player. And you're you're right, Drew. I mean, timing in, in baseball at the plate is everything, and, and it doesn't take much for for timing to go awry. And he was out for for whatever it was, nine days. Ten days, yeah. Yeah, and he comes back. He didn't miss a barrel. And he, and he all over the ballpark. The first base hit up the middle, he barreled. Obviously, the home run to right center was ridiculous. And then he and then on the pull side, he, he drives two balls to left for, uh, you know, for extra bases. Yeah. So, on a day where no one was hitting. Right. <laughs> it's just like, where do you – you're the pitcher. Like, okay, where do I put it now? I don't know. What do you, uh, you know what? What do you guys got on? Um, I was thinking about this last night. If I'm thinking about it, I know you all are because because you guys crank out material. We now have help me out, fellas. If I screw this up, is it is it six no hitters? Wow. Yes. Plus, it, but 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 Patrick, not including Mad Bum, right? Right. So six it's six and, and a half, half yeah. seven, yeah. seven yeah. call it. Mm-hmm. right. So I'm telling you. Is that going to devalue the no-hitter because no one can hit these guys anymore, a combination of really good stuff and different approach that we're seeing in baseball? And I know Rockies fans are going, well, the way they hit on the road, are they, you know, are the Rockies going to get no-hit at some point? Yeah. I've got an outstanding bet on that. I, I said early on, I, I said after a couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks, I said the Rockies are not going to get no-hit this season. Uh, and I have a couple. Of uh, obviously, I hope I hope not. Uh, that San Diego series aside, that was dark. Man. That, was, that was rough. Tapia getting a base hit ninety percent of the games that he starts is helping me out there. <laughs> Though he didn't have a great series this weekend either. He this was his worst set of the the year. But Chichi throwing out a double, I went all right. <laughs> there we go. On the I think board. That, that correct me if I'm wrong because I you know we keep I have, um, you know. Uh, all, all sorts of metrics going at different sites and baseball savant. I want to say that was the only hard hit ball by a Rocky um, in the entire game. And, you know, the hard hit, as you guys know, um, say this for the folks who are listening in, is that it, it has to have an exit velocity of at least 95 miles an hour. He had about 102 on that double off the bat. And the other hit later in the ball game was Trevor's, which was under 95, was kind of a, a off the end of the bat. I don't even remember a hard ground ball that was like 98 miles an hour. No. Yeah, no. Musgrove was missing a lot of bats. I think he had, he had struck out seven guys the first time through the order, so he was he was on point. But but to your question, yeah, we've been talking about it a little bit. It's funny on uh, on Sunday we talked about well, there's there's already been four no hitters throwing mad bums as as four and a half. Is it too many? And uh, and one of our our other our hosts here, Michaela said like, oh, it's too much. It's, they're not special anymore. And I am still fighting against the, the idea like it's still really special. But, man, we're on pace for like 
21, 22, no hitters if things go, you know, continue at this point. And I, and I sort of threw the question out there, you know, what, what, what is more likely? And already we've, well, what is more likely that we get no more no hitters for the rest of the year right. or that we continue down this path and they're still about um, 16, just, 17 yeah. more no hitters? What you do you know, think is more likely? All right, you know, I, first of all, they're extremes. I think there'll be more no hitter. There'll yeah. be elite. How do I answer this? I don't think there's going to be 16 or 17 more, even though I know we're on that kind of pace. Right. Um, I just think summer, you know, the offense is going to is going to tick up, hopefully, somewhat significantly. Um, I think there will be at least. I don't think we've seen the last no hitter, and probably there'll be multiple. But if if the three of us are chit chatting away on October third, as we start talking about the postseason, and we're going, yeah, how about that? Is is Drew? goes from a beef commercial to a Breckenridge Brewery commercial. He goes, how how about that? We had 17 no-hitters, folks. That's going to make you want to drink a Breckenridge beer. <laughs> um, I, I, Patrick, super long-winded answer. I will be shocked if it's that many. But, yeah, ten, you know, nine or ten is not out of the question now. Yeah. I don't think we've seen the last. It really is. And, you know, like – Ultimately, as as you pitched it, like is it is it losing its specialness? And no, because again, in the grand scheme of things in the history of baseball, it's just something that we don't see very much. We also know 1968 is known as the year of the pitcher, right? And and pitchers just absolutely dominated before they lowered the mound. And yet, no one says, "Well, Bob Gibson's you know 1.12 ERA." Yeah, but it was in the year of the pitcher. Everyone did really well. No, they still talk about Bob Gibson as you know one of the greatest players of, of his generation hall of famer no question about it overall just general badass right and in the grand scheme of things we we still look at it in that perspective so if you throw a no hitter you threw a no hitter whether or not it was with the mush ball in 2021 or not but right now as we sit in the middle of it it is losing a little bit of its flavor i think but it's still no hitter yeah and I, special. I, think, I think one of the fascinating things about no hitters um, and now what, what are we up to 250 to say, I don't even know what the number is two forty no, no. somewhere in there. Um, there are as many, if not more semi anonymous type of guys that had their moment in the sun, as opposed to, Oh yeah. You know, there's Sandy Koufax with his four and Nolan Ryan with his seven, you know, bona fide hall of famers. Um, they're, they're a lot of times guys that were more, you know, fall into the category of journeymen, right. and they had that that moment. The other interesting thing um, for the the six so far is they've come against three teams. Yeah, right. how about that? Yeah, teams getting no. That, uh, that was the other thing I was starting to wonder. Like records that are going to be set here. Like, is one team going to get no hit four different times? Like, would that be? A record it's probably so. in this day and age, you know, I have to ask the DraftKings folks, right? In this day and age, um, is that something you can, you know, get a prop bet on? Yeah, right. I, I wish we could. Um, speaking of which, you, you set me up for that one. Too. I, I was trying, you know what? Uh, here, let me. Let me put that on the tee for you. Yeah, just throw it. Throw it. Oh, get that right up there on there, and I'll just take a swing at that pitch and remind you that you should download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place your bets daily on 
MLB, NBA, NHL, take your over-unders on runs scored or strikeouts or who's going to get a hit, who's going to hit a home run is always one of my favorites because you can make a decent chunk of change for putting down just a singular unit, make some nice dollar-dollar bills, you all. However, this week is Hammer the Over Week. You got to get on there and find out what the featured games are because for every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by a point. So that means you're increasing your chance to win. You're improving your odds of the overhitting the more people that go and bet. So you got to tell your friends and your family it's a full team effort. Hammer the over, improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends on May 23rd. And see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Make a little extra money out there. You can also make a little extra money by not spending a little extra money on your home and car insurance Save with our friends at Gabby, G-A-B-I, stands for Get a Better Insurance. Go to gabi.com slash DNVR for a totally free check to see how much they can save you on your home or car insurance. It was 480 bucks for me, over a grand for our guy, Eric Weedham. Very easy, takes you less than 10 minutes. They don't bug you with a bunch of text messages, or phone calls, or emails, any of that nonsense. They just save you money. Easy as that. Took me less than 10 minutes. Again, it's gabi.com slash DNVR and start saving money immediately. Right now. Right now. Cleveland has not had a no-hitter in 40 years. How about that? Len Barker was the last guy. So Cleveland is getting no-hit and they're saying, look, we, we want to cash in on this. We, yeah. we want to celebrate a little bit. Len Barker threw a perfecto. He did. That's right. Yeah. Hey, how good, guys? Well, Blake Snell stuff was really good on. I don't, I don't even remember what day it is now. Monday. Yeah. When did he pitch? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, you Darvish pitched Monday. Yeah, That's pretty good rotation. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Snell Tuesday. How good was Joe Musgrove stuff? Yeah. I mean that it, it's it's amazing too because it's like not that like overpowering. You know, he doesn't throw like the 98-mile-an-hour fastball or anything like that. He just works every quadrant of the zone, everything that moves and darts and bends. It's the late run and movement on everything that he has, right? He doesn't need the big blow-you-away one-out pitch. He just uses everything. And it's like, this guy, he's a – I love watching guys who pitch like that. He spins it really well. I mean, his his slider yeah. uh, curveball combination is outstanding. And he'll go get – you know, he'll sit 95 too, so – you know, it's funny how we all look at things lately where, oh, he throws 95. No big deal, right? Because he's not throwing 99. League average? He's not, he's not the Grom sitting on 100. But right. um, that's still uh, that's that's still pretty good fastball. They 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 have some, some unbelievable arms. Musgrove is interesting because he's he's been traded three times already in his career. Yeah. And he's kind of, again, has this like similar pedigree of Garrett Cole where you go, all right, he's kind of languishing in obscurity with Pittsburgh. And then a, an analytically minded team goes and says, all right, we're going to trade some prospects for him. And then he's going to jump to the next level, right? Happened with Cole, you know, when he went to Houston, it's happening now with, with Musgrove in, in San Diego. And uh, it's, 
it, it's nice to, to see guys kind of get, get put on a, on a bigger stage, you know, when, if they're with one of these smaller market teams, it's just one of the reasons why, you know, we all know it. We, we, it's why we love baseballs. You could watch any team in, in, in any market and we would love it. We'd, we'd be lucky. We're very lucky uh, that we're able uh, to do what, what we do because it's baseball. It's, it's the best game in the world. Yeah. It's uh, I, I always, uh, I, you know, somebody came up to me earlier today and said, Hey, you know, it's a rough year. And I said, you know, yeah. And uh, you know, 17 and 18 were really good years and you want every year to be great, but you know, it's, it's hard to be the Dodgers. Most teams aren't the Dodgers. Most team are, teams aren't the Yankees. When I was growing up, the Yankees for a long period of time were abysmal. Um, and, and you just hope that you can move through this period and the, and the next wave comes. And next thing you know, we're all talking on, on, on your show about, Hey God, this guy's good. And that guy's good. And, and we're, you know, the Rockies are eight games over 500, two months in this. It, it, it'll turn. Um, right now is a tough period. There's, there's no denying that. It's, it's tough right now. But we all, to your point, Patrick, who, who work in the game, we're, we're really privileged. And I, and I never want to lose sight of that. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. One of the things that I, I think gets lost in these times uh, where you've got a lot of young guys fighting um, and we know that, you know, progress is not linear is somebody like, for example, Austin Gomber, who I thought, you know, was really good in, in his last couple of outings here. We know he's had some shaky ones, but he's basically a sophomore level pitcher, right? It's really, and it's his first full season actually in major league baseball. So in a way he's kind of a rookie at being his first full time, getting the ball every fifth day, go out there. You're going to start, you're going to be the, the guy this year. And yeah, he's had some hiccups here and there, but he's also had some really great outings for everything that he's come in, knowing who he was traded for and, and coming into the situation, having those rough outings, being able to bounce back. Uh, I've just really enjoyed watching him. And, and I keep talking about how he's making progress. People are like, oh, Drew, he's got a five, whatever ERA. And I just go, look, man, progress is not linear. This is, he's going to have those moments, but you can see a guy discovering the best version of himself every time he's handed the baseball. And, and I thought he was against that lineup that's expected to do big things in their ballpark. I thought he was magnificent. Hey, I'm a big fan. I've said this uh, after watching him throw, uh, we were televising one of his, one of his spring training outings in March. And I had talked to Steve Foster about him prior to seeing him. And I said, what's your first impression? He goes, curveball. He has a great curveball. Well, now we all have seen that. He's got a little more fastball than you think. And he has a good slider. Yeah, he didn't have a good feel for his changeup the other day. Um, he kept missing an arm side with it. But we've seen the changeup be a, a high quality pitch. So it's a true four pitch mix. And I think he's got toughness. I think he's got competitiveness to him. And I, I think he is a, a, I think he can be a really solid middle of the rotation guy. And that's not uh, faint praise. I mean, if, I, I've often said, if you put together five, you know, good threes, because there aren't there contrary to the guy who take you know the the thought that oh somebody takes the somebody's got a pitch opening day right that doesn't mean you're truly an ace there aren't truly many aces in the game you know the the obviously the Degrobs and the and the Garrett Coles their aces Kershaw's been an ace for for a long period of time 
there aren't many of those guys. Um, the, the really good ones probably fall in the two category, maybe even the three. So if you have a rotation where you have five, you know, good threes, you can win a lot of games with that. So it's not faint praise. I'm, I'm a big fan of Austin Gomber and I, and, um, I, I think he'll continue to get better. I think it was Patrick who said, or maybe it was Drew who said that, you know, he's really in a sophomore season. That's true. I mean, it's going to be his first full year that he's going to put together, hopefully knock on wood, no, no injuries. That he's going to put together a season with 30, 31, 32 starts. I like him, man. There's a lot to like there. Yeah, by the All-Star break, he'll essentially have had, uh, he'll have started more games with the Rockies than with the Cardinals. And and to your point, Goody, you know, with Kyle Freeland starting uh, Thursday night in Albuquerque, he's kind of set to come back. Potentially, you can pencil him in for a start in New York against Jacob Degrom next Tuesday night. That would be a, is, uh, a welcome. Is that, by the way, is that how it matches up? By the, is that's that how right? it would line up if he were to stay on normal rest? Uh, right. I'm looking forward to that one. There you go, baby. And you know what? You know he is too. <laughs> yes. Patrick does the math early. You, you, and you, and you and Drew do the math early. I didn't even know that. I'm kind of a passenger, and I get all my information from you guys anyhow. But. Um, <laughs> I guarantee you guys know you guys know Kyle. He's already going. Yep, I got the Grom Tuesday. I got that game at City Field. Bring it on. Yeah, right? right. Yeah, that that will be electric. And and with him coming back, you go. Hey, Chichi Gonzalez, who is pretty damn good in that number five spot, uh, bordering on like number four starter. You know, uh, uh, outputs what he's been doing his last two starts. I mean, I think we we talked about it yesterday on the post game. He's been 13 innings pitched, only gave up two earned runs, right? The two from yesterday. Good. And yet, Good. sorry, you're going to the bullpen, right? I mean, that's that's where having that depth can be incredibly valuable. And Rockies have a really solid, very much underrated starting rotation. Well, we knew going into the year that it was going to be the strength. There's not a lot of depth there, but, you know, Chi-Chi, Chi-Chi with Kyle coming back, Chi-Chi adds to the depth. Um, Kyle or uh, Ryan Rollison, as you guys have reported, is, is now going to pitch in Albuquerque, which means he's a, you know a, a half a step away. We're going to see him. Uh, I, I would be shocked if we didn't at some point. Part of his, he's going to graduate. Uh, we'll see him uh, in Denver at some point, and, and that's you know that's how you continue to build. And I think we obviously haven't seen the best of Herman yet. Um, yeah. One, one thing that's consistent about Buddy and whether we rolled out the, the Padres lineup or, you know, versions of the Rockies in the past that, that really were bona fide uh, offensive, you know, strong offensive teams, um, it still will always come down to pitching. The, the casual fan will say, why aren't the Angels better? They have. Mike Trout in the middle of their lineup. I know he's hurt right now. They have Shohei Otani in the middle of their lineup. They have Justin Upton, who's still a presence in the middle of the lineup. You know, they got the the, the kid uh, at first base, Walsh, who can swing it. Why aren't they better? Yeah. Why? Because you get four at-bats a game. You get four chances to maybe do something. Where the guys on the hill dictate – the vast, vast majority of the time, whether you win or whether you lose. Good pitching beats good hitting. Every time. Look at the All-Star game. How many times you go, oh, one, two, three, one, two, three, mode them down, especially in this day and age. <laughs> Even at altitude, I'll probably end up eating my words, but you know, you're going to see some 
guys coming up and they're going to air it out for, you know, 14, 15 pitches. You're going to see guys throwing 100 and the hitters aren't going to have, you know, a, you know, great shot. And even more than that, I was saying this on the air yesterday. Uh, we're fixated with the fastball and the, and the velocity, and that's going to get you, you know, as you guys know, I coach in high school, and that'll get you an opportunity to play in college, the radar gun. And, and if you're really, you know, got a, got a strong arm, pro scouts show up, right? But ultimately, even in this era of triple digits, the fastball's diminished in terms of pitch selection to about 50%, right. which means you're seeing more sliders, more curveballs, more change-ups. And so the nastiness, like the no-hitter we saw last night by the Yankees, is not 98 to 101. It's more, God, that's a dirty slider, another dirty slider. Um, it's more the secondary stuff. Right. Like we were talking about with Musgrove earlier and why he yeah. earlier this year. It's that style of, like, I'm going to totally blow you away with the stuff that we can. Like you said, it's funny. It's sitting on 95 these days. But yeah, I mean, what, what, was Kluber, what was Kluber last night, 91-5 or something like that? Yeah. And it's uh, – and you're right. It's, it's an interesting – and Patrick and I were talking about this on a recent show as well, this kind of pushback between – you know, the three true outcomes game and now these no hitters coming and is there going to be, you know, in a couple of eras, are we going to uh, era years? Are we going to see a return to more Rymal Tapia style baseball players, more eighties, seventies style, put the ball in play, use some speed, uh, you know, because it's it, putting the ball in play is going to start becoming a market inefficiency. almost It's like just, just a valuable commodity because you can't just wait for the, Three one center cut fastball. You guys have talked about this brilliantly on the broadcast. I think uh, that was being a belt. He's brilliant, brilliant, brilliantly. He's brilliant, brilliant. At me or any of my partners in the same sentence, you're a liar. <laughs> that you should, uh, uh, I'm sorry, true. The brain trust uh, from the law offices of Huey Spilly and Sully. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant conversation. Well, when you bring Charlie Blackman into the mix, it lends cred credibility to it. And, and you've often talked about how he's discussed this. Like, look, 3-1, the chances he's getting a fastball up or, or, or in or something that he can pull, something he can jump on anymore, that's, what, 40%? And if you're 